Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics. I'm your host and moderator, Crisis with a K, and I'm joined here by three of my favorite friends and mutants from around the world to read this week's X-Men comics, because why, Freeha? X-Men is better when it's read together. That is right. So we're here to read both X-Men comics that were out on the 13th of January 2021. That is Marauders number 17 and Sword number 2. Spoiler warning, we're going to talk about everything, okay? Not only in these comics, but in the whole history of X-Men, possibly other books in the Marvel Universe. This is a spoiler-filled program, just so you know what you're getting into. With that out of the way, let me welcome everybody one by one, starting with Tyler. Tyler, have you ever been in the position where there's been a much older person who's been flirting with you, perhaps rather subtly, and how did you receive such flirtation? Hmm. Well, I'm not a spring chicken, so... Me neither. So when, when we talk about much older... <laughs> okay, I would say, yes, 10 years ago. So it seems like, you know, a uh, younger, more innocent looking Asian guy in New York City do get hit on by older birth, older people. So yeah. Um yeah, it happens. Yeah. Um but I'm 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 terrible when people flirt at me because I do not know that they are flirting. So <laughs> So it's, it really just goes over me most of the time. Unless but they call you in the though. middle of the night, then it's then for, and then, oh, then that's totally different. Done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you up? Yeah. Hey Tyler, what you up to, buddy? <laughs> hey Tyler, <laughs> Harry, what would you say your favorite physical feature or flaw is that you would never change, even if you got to be reborn? Well, they're similar. Uh, I'm vain and happy that I have green eyes because I feel like not many people do. But uh, the flock comes in where I am atrociously colorblind and I can't really appreciate them or colors that well. So it's kind of like a Twilight Zone thing where you have a great gift, but you can't really enjoy it. So my life is an endless hell of uh, gray tones. No, I'm kidding. I can see some stuff. <laughs> so when we go off about colorists in these books, you're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. I just, I know my lane. I'm sticking to it. I don't really get into that as much, just in case. Because I don't want to be like, oh, man, the reds in this are great. And y'all are like, dude, that's clearly brown. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes, so that's me. <laughs> oh, and Freya, who we are so happy to have back on the island with us here at This Week in X. Freya, what is a time when you had to go with quote unquote plan B, but it turned out to be way better than the plan A that you were originally hoping to go with? So last year, which it was 2020, I actually quit my job because like, you know, Rage quit my job um, and then decided that I'm going to go on a world tour. But then this other job opportunity came about and I'm like, you know what, let's just see. I'm probably just going to take this job and just to see how things go. And that happened in March, first week of March. So you can imagine whether plan B was better or not. Mm. <laughs> that I'm just going to leave it in that. <laughs> so 2020, plan A was I'm going to travel the world. She was going to come plan visit B. me. Yes. Oh. She, I, I was going to go visit Peter in Wellington. And then I was like, you know what? This other job kind of, it's like, it's, it was really something I was looking for. And it's so different. So let me just take that. And um, yeah, first week of March. I accepted the offer. First week of March. 
Well, folks, as you yeah. listen to our discussion about these two issues, see if you can pick out where we found those three questions within the issues, because they always come from our read. To help us step into this issue, which had a lot of different scenes and a lot of different little nods at continuity, let us just give our lightning round from the gut reactions, and we will just go around the clock here, starting with Tyler. Um, I, This is a good um, transitional type of issue for me um, that is part introspective and part setting the stage for the next big thing while, you know, basically wrapping up some um, things, I think, which Dugan wanted to just, you know, let's end it properly. Um, I also like the art. I mean, I think I mentioned it before that it took me a couple of issues to get used to um, Loli's art. But, um, you know, I, I look forward to it every month now. Harry. Yeah, I agree with Tower that this felt kind of like a transitory issue. Uh, it kind of feels like the flip side of the last issue, which was kind of focused doing cleanup from what's been happening so far. This felt a lot more uh, scattered and just kind of tying off loose ends with Storm and Callisto and what have you, but also setting up what's clearly going to be a big event with the um, the Hellfire Gala. So I enjoyed it. I don't think it was the best issue by a long shot, but um, it was it was good enough, and um, I thought the art was okay. And I'm gonna have to find a way to get way more interesting thoughts about this issue as we go on. So. <laughs> now, Priha, historically our biggest Marauders fan, did this issue please you as much as it usually does? Yeah. So the thing is, we're going to talk about the other issue of the week. Um, and then this was really like, to me, it was just just as good. And it's kind of more feel like a filler issue. And I'm more used to reading like books in like trades or collected edition. So I kind of understand where like, you know, that it will read much better if I'm reading it all together again. So it was like there was a lot of loose ends that was tied up. There was one scene. It doesn't matter where it is, but it always gets me misty eyed. And I'm going to talk about it more uh, that there was that scene was here. And then um, the oh, my God, the gala. I'm look so looking forward to it. I cannot wait to see what will everyone will wear, especially Emma. So I this is I've been looking forward to it since the gala was first announced. So it just the fact that it's kind of one step closer to it. I'm so excited. The invitations are out now, guys. I haven't gotten mine yet, but I'm waiting for it. <laughs> well, this is what makes me happy about talking about it together because I got a very different thing from this issue in some ways than you all did. I was just really kind of bored. I found it somewhat dull. It made me really realize there's not a whole lot going on for me in this book other than the Kate stuff, which really feels like it came to a head last issue. So this gala stuff, I'm kind of like, who cares? We just had a dinner party next to swords. Um, you know, like the uh, Shaw stuff, I'm like, he kind of just got what he was had coming to him. There's no Iceman or Pyro. Storm's leaving the title. I do love Callisto, and we're going to dig into that. But I kind of was just left wondering if this title's maybe almost over. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I didn't, it didn't really thrill me. And also I, I'm starting to have some real problem with, um, with Lolly's art and some of the colors in this, which we'll get into if we discuss the art. So this is why it's panel discussion. If it was just me by myself on this channel, you'll hear me talking about that this issue is boring, but we have a lot of perspectives. And the thing I want to drill into the first, and I'll kick it off asking Freya to talk about this. I don't know where her getting misty moment is, so I, I have no idea when we're going to mm -hmm. encounter it would be like the, mm -hmm. the, the Daily Double, um, is what I'm calling Callisto's Crucible. 
So here's a character who's been through a lot, some of which Freya has never read in Uncanny X-Men before, but clearly she has a relationship with Storm. And here we find that she's decided it's time to go and take her mutant powers back. But to do it, she's got to die first. And that's, I would say that's really the A plot in this issue as evidenced by the cover. Freya, what did you think about Callisto's Crucible here? So this is my misty-eyed. Okay, moment. I got it. I first always time. get misty-eyed whenever there's a crucible. Like it's well, I think this is like a twice it happened. Other times they just kind of talk about it, um, because I just find it to be so interesting that it's just you're fighting to get back your identity. Like it's like it's like it's not an easy way out, but people take keep on taking this challenge again and again, and it's just kind of very, like I don't know. It's like. It, as someone who I have read like a lot of fantasy novel and it just kind of add that aspect of it that life is tough. Like, you know, it's just not like, oh, we're bad, tough luck that you can't have your power back. Or if you want to get your power, we are just going to kill you. But it's a, you have to earn it. There's something so mm, about it. And then the fact that how Storm could like, because I don't know if she have done it before. I don't know. But the fact that she can stop someone's heart uh, with her lightning power Finally, because I've been always I'm like, girl, do that, do that, please, light, light, come on, come on. And then finally we get to see that. And it was like, you know, some, I know a little bit about like, she has a lot of um, history with the um, Morlocks, mold, 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 like, and yeah. Callisto is one of them. Like, so I know that there is like some history with them. Um, so I was, so that didn't quite, but the whole thing of like, you know, another one of those crucible moment, I was like, the, now Storm has become the one that takes them out and then brings them back. I feel like Storm's transit, like, you know, role transition was also very cool. Well, she's not like always the one. Well, I mean, Maybe. okay. There's it a takes few, some convincing here to yeah, even get yeah. her onto but, the field of battle. But Right, I'm, but maybe she will become. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, maybe she will. But um, what struck me here as um, really important is that she drew the death cut in X of Sword. Right. So here, she's she is death in some way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was I was referring to. Like, yeah. that this kind of comes in full circle for her mm-hmm. uh, because she was planning on, like, she's planning on leaving the team. I don't yeah. know. But I feel like because she's taking on this new role now that Apocalypse mm-hmm. is gone. That's how I read it. And Oh, okay. It, and it started with her friend Callisto, yeah. like, you know, her helping her with that. So mm-hmm. I thought that that was very cool. Before I launch into it, Harry, do you have anything uh, to say about this part? Because I'm going I... quite deep. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, then I'm going to speak to the art. I really enjoyed the fight scene, uh, in particular the moment Freeho was talking about with the um, the heart stopping punch. Uh, there, there's kind of like a, it's intense, but there's kind of like a, a delicateness to that one page where her breath just leaves her her body, and it, and and it just seems very intimate, and it's it feels special, which is. Um, my favorite part of the issue, and just the, I think the best, the strongest that the art is. So, um, I don't know who the people in the crowds were. I assume those were Morlocks, and I hope you can fill in on that. I mean, for 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 me, um, okay. Let me answer um, Faria's question first. So the first question that she has is that uh, I mean, not question. She she said that maybe Storm is taking over Apocalypse role. Um, I think Silver Samurai here said something else because. He's like, well, now the person who wants to participate in the crucible has to bring their, um, I think what he said was, uh, 
Kaishakunin, which, well, thanks to Wiki, um, I found out that he's supposed to be an appointed person that is going to behead someone that has um, participated in a ritual suicide, uh, you know, su- suicide. So, mm-hmm. so basically, um, whoever needs to, um, who wants to participate in Crucible has to first either bring someone or Silver Samurai could be the one that is, you know, the one that is participating in it. Or as we can, as we see here, the volunteers, because the Fenris twins is like, oh, we, we, we'll do it, <laughs> you know. And Fenris, um, if you don't know, is the, I mean, they are the children of um, Baron Strucker. Which is why oh. um, Mask called them Nazis because they are. Oh, yeah, yeah so they are. They are. Uh, even in the Claremont age, the it was not uh, papered over at all that they're yeah. white supremacists. Nazis. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, are so that's why I was about to say that. Why are they here? Everybody's invited to the party <laughs> yeah. until they kill a human. Yeah, <laughs> and then okay, and then the fight scene, right? The fight scene is not um while it does not um follow scene you know everything that was the fight scene the very first fight scene between Callisto and Storm um there were a little bit of similarities yes. especially the killing blow um in the very first fight scene Storm did not kill um Callisto using uh using her powers but she did stab her in the heart mm-hmm. with a knife so um and I mean this one looks a little bit more I, I feel like I feel like um Dugan is playing a little bit more to the um to the shipping between these two characters here a little bit. <laughs> so yeah. um which was why, you know, like I mean I, 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 I got the same sense as um Harry did that it was meant to be tender. Um, That's the word. You know, yeah. So so that that was the thing. And then um, other than this, there was one thing that I thought um, was pretty cool was that um, Callisto actually mentioned the other island of Krakoa for the very first time um, any character did on panel because we have only seen it on the map in House of X6, but no one else have ever mentioned it except for, I think, Callisto. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I think Callisto was the first person who mentioned mm-hmm. it. Well, I too have a few things I want to pull out and maybe send us through one more go-round on this before we move mm-hmm. on. So, you know, the context of Storm's initial and classic fight with Callisto was over leadership of the Morlocks, which was critical at that point because the X-Men needed the Morlocks briefly on their side due to many lives that were hanging on the balance. And it's one of the first times that we see Punk Storm really um, own her ability to embrace violence, which we hadn't before. And that kind of kicks off a lot of Storm plot for a while. But it's also she, she, intertwined these... She hmm? wasn't punk yet. Was she not quite punk? No, no, yet? no. It, wasn't. it was right she after wasn't. that that she becomes Yeah, it punk was right storm. after that. Right. Yeah. It's a pr- it precipitates punk storm. Yeah. And so these characters have long been intertwined and there's a while where Callisto is very differential to Storm as like, well, you're the leader of the Morlocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, they come into conflict again and again. But one of the interesting things about Callisto is that she's drawn very, very pretty here and she has been pretty before. But when Claremont in, uh, invented her, she was quite unsightly, quite haggard. And it's absolutely part of Callisto's story that that's actually her appearance. And at one point, Mask makes her pretty again 
and she's actually not happy with that. And it, as it was highlighted by Claremont Run uh, last year on Twitter, it's an excellent Twitter account, at Claremont Run. They do a lot of data and, um, and textual analysis of Claremont. So I bring this all together to say, it's interesting to me that when Callisto is reborn, she's still reborn pretty, which maybe is leaving that plot point behind. I don't know what our thoughts are, but she is still born uh, with an, you know, she chooses to have an eye patch over one eye. Now, whether she's sighted in that eye or not, uh, she's decided that that's part of who she is. And that's been really an ongoing question about several of our mutants who have some kind of disability, whether that disability is something that they would take through them through a rebirth, whether, you know, in fully or even symbolically. And this is, to me, I think, the first time we've really seen a resurrection on the page fully address that. So it's really interesting to me. And I just wanted to go one more go around to see if anybody else has some any further thoughts on, you know, Callisto choosing Storm here and also the way that Callisto chooses to return. Well, Callisto came in contact with Emma. Emma's not going to have some haggard-looking person on, on her staff. That's weird. <laughs> so, obviously, she, you know. Well but then also, also the thing is, like, we also seen, like, you know, a nanny came back as an egg. I'm still sad about it. She didn't just come back as an egg. She She's basically, like, you know, goes ball egg and with arms sticking out. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, it's not the first time, but I think like, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a come pirate thing, action going on because it's like, you know, she is part of the crew and then, you know, it's like the pirates, you, they were all sighted, but they would keep an eye patch on just to make really? their sight they were, over there. They would, they were, they had, they were sighted? Pirates were sighted yeah. and just wore an eye patch for... What better? So, better looking through the the, the... <laughs> right. So the thing is, so the awesome. history of pirates are, and this is, I mean, I've read it in many many places. So I don't know what. Maybe that's true. They were Noted all sighted. pirate expert Freya. Yes. Oh my God. So Freya's piracy corner. Freya's piracy corner. So the thing is, pirates were all sighted, but they would keep one eye closed. So at nighttime, if they were attacked by other pirate ship or even like you know like police catching them, they can swap it and they can actually see better at nighttime and they can direct their people. So that's where it comes from. <laughs> so, this, this is the best. This, okay, this is blowing your mind. I can't believe it. So, yeah, I can't so believe that's... I went my whole life not knowing this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go downstairs and rewatch every pirate movie in my collection. <laughs> well, I, so the thing is, that's where actually that eye patch thing comes from because it's going to be very weird why all the pirates have one eye gouged out because they you are losing your losing so much by doing that. So of, it's because of this. So that's wow. where it comes from. So wow. I thought, I mean, that's one of the reasons, like, you know, I think I thought that she was just saving that is like, you know, she would be like one-upping Kate because now that Kate had keeps an eye patch in her coat. So she's like, I'm there already, <laughs> girl. So, that's what I wow. How, Harry and Tyler, any further thoughts from the two of you? No, my blown, uh, basically. My <laughs> I, can't, I don't know how to follow up to that, but I mean, I'm like in a, I'm kind of conflicted where part of me almost wants this, this segment to be the entire issue because yeah. I think this is easily the strongest. But that said, I feel like we need to start giving more, more space to the other characters in this book. So, so I'm torn, but I do feel like this is easily the highlight and, um, yeah, I think there's there is a as Tyler said a, a tenderness and a, and a kind of like a very quiet joy to it. Weirdly near the end there, that uh, was it was easily the most uh, effective part of the issue. 
All right, I'm going to move us on to the second big plot here, which is uh, what I'm calling restructure in the Hellfire Trading Company. So as a result of the comeuppance that Shaw experienced last issue, Emma is shaking some things up. Because even though they're all queens and kings, Emma was the one who founded this venture, let's not forget. And so mm -hmm. she shakes things up in a couple of ways. First, we get a flashback of her briefly going after Shinobi, thinking that maybe he had something to do with it, while he's apparently on a date with her brother, as far as we can see. But he is absolved. and. Uh, um, or at least cleared, um, not absolved because he never did anything. And uh, then we later see that she's shaking things up and basically trading some of the responsibilities between the white side and the black side, but leaving Kate on her own on the red side to do whatever she pleases, which yields some interesting things, both this gala and the final plot, which we'll get into, which is kind of Kate's ground game in Madripoor. So without digging too deeply into Kate's ground game, what do we think about Emma's shakeup of the Hellfire Trading Company here, Harry? I think, well, it's kind of off the side, but I like that she's keeping Shaw kind of in the loop and like kind of being still kind of personable with him, being like, hey, I know that you've kind of done some shady stuff in the past, but look at this approach can work, you know, and he's kind of like going along with it and kind of into it. Um, I am into this, this whatever's happening with this Hellfire Gala or what's, what's coming up. Um, I think it's good to kind of shake up this book a bit. And I feel like, you know, quietly, this could be a, a super important thing for the line. So... And it's, gonna, uh, I it's, am also, it's also important for you because you cover gala as part of your job. <laughs> yes, in a faraway pre-COVID time, I was at galas and galas like every week. So I am a little like, you know, professionally curious how it's going to look, <laughs> what's it going to be like, you know, who's going to be the entertainment. commentary on everything. Oh, yeah. How much do you raise? How much is for entertainment? I mean, it's going to be, I think it's going to be drawn by Russell Datterman. So I'm, I'm all there for that. Mm, that's always yeah. a good one. Yeah. It's going to be a yeah. hot looking book. Uh, so you're going to be yeah. back for that, definitely. Because <laughs> yeah, you're, I'll be wearing a, we need Harry's gala yeah. corner. <laughs> <laughs> wearing a full suit and tux, just like in my thoughts. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was cool. Tyler, anything you would add to that exchange? Well, I, I, I didn't really think that Shinobi and Christian would on a date. What? I think, I think we were planning something. Were some... they on a date? Raise of hands if they were on a date. I thought oh. they were. I didn't oh. think they were. <laughs> right, right. I think they were planning something. <laughs> Why not it, both? It was a date before date, you know? It was like yeah. checking each other out date. <laughs> it was not date. Yeah. It didn't but, feel like you know, a date. The other thing also is that, I, 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 mean, I mean, the other thing to point out is that at this, even at this juncture in time, right? Even when Emma was like reading uh, Shinobi's mind, she didn't know that Christian was involved in getting Kate killed. Mm -hmm. So, like, no one knows right now except for Shaw and Christian. So, that, I, I don't know, but I think that will come into play, you know, sooner or later. So, um, that's one thing. And then the other thing I kind of um, want to point out is that um, the, uh, you know, in in the lead up to the gala where where Emma was pushing um, uh, Shore, there were a few things. One, Emma basically, um, you know, hinted at or, or let Shore to think that, well, Shinobi may not be your son. Mm, I know. It's all that. I, yeah. was, I mean, mm. having just read the issue where Leland dies... Yeah, I've always been reminded that Shaw, that Shinobi's power is way more like Leland's power than Shaw's power, and I'm like, this is the deep cut stuff that I am here it for. Is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was like, wait, 
that makes so much sense. And Howie Whelan's a fun character. Like I want bring him back. Let's get some original back. Hellfire Club people. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And meanwhile, I'm over yeah. here not knowing that deep cut, but I'm like, oh, there's a character with my name. That's cute. I just keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a bearded, like red, um, red bearded, you know, stocky kind of guy. He looks Ooh, like Volsa. Get him in here. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Bring him in. <laughs> so, bring him back. So that's one thing. Okay. The the other thing is that you know, um, I mean. <laughs> Uh, the the island keeper made a pass on Jumbo Carnation. Yes, he definitely did. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> in the trees, tree tree panel sequence, um, in the background, and then um, one other thing I want to point out is: Did anyone see the Flying Dutchman? I just saw that just now, and I was like, "So what's up with the flying pirate ship?" <laughs> it really distracted me, honestly. Like I saw it on the page, and I was like, "Am I supposed to be focused on that? Like, what's happening?" I I have no idea what that is. I don't know if that was like supposed to be an invisible ship um, of Emma or someone. But I thought they went through that they went to the island through the gate. So so I don't know what that that ship is doing there. <laughs> Whose pirate ship is this? Yeah, <laughs> sighted pirates, you guys. Who has iPad uh, on their head? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, I, I'll pull out a few more things from that, and then we can have one more go around if anybody has more to add. One one of which is um. It's not just that she's, Emma's taking power from Shaw here. I think it also represents a little bit of a shift of how mutants are going to focus on the dynamic they're, they're creating around the world. Originally, it was like the um, diplomacy of the white to expand the people who were on the hook for this medicine and the underhandedness of the black to deal with the black market. But now the medicine has somewhat penetrated the market and we're getting a flip. She's like, you can deal with the more mercenary, underhanded person, those of you who have already agreed to trade with us, and I will maybe use, you know, the open palm instead of the closed fist on some of these black market people. I mean, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, especially as we get the idea of like what role do mutants really hold in this world right now, which we recently saw a data page of people all over the world reacting to them. So I think mm -hmm. Emma, really is paying attention to the outside world a lot more than any other member of the Quiet Council. And it's reflected when she says, you know, the gala is not just to talk to trading partners. It's our first state dinner, um, and it's the price of paradise. You know, state dinners, we saw Magneto and and Xavier and Blue Daddy go to a UN dinner back at Davos, yeah. Switzerland, back in X-Men number four, and Emma's saying, we've got to play ball and have our own state dinners too. So I think yeah. there was a lot of subtle things. I don't know that Emma ever gave a speech that like, it's for state and country but i think there was yeah. a lot of indications here that she's not only the white queen of the hellfire trading company she's the queen of the island and this is the whole reason that she got into it at the beginning for the children and because emma always has a plan and i think that she's kind of creeping up the depth charts now especially with apocalypse out of the way where it's yeah. like she's eventually going to come to blows with xavier and magneto because her plan and their plan is not necessarily going to align any thoughts on all that or other thoughts before we move on to the next plot Oh, well, I, I have a question. To have my turn. Oh, talking oh I'm about sorry. I thought you were exchanging. I didn't uh, mean to no, reclaim your time no. for you. Huh? Oh, dear. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I really love the data page where Emma is like, giving him the memo of the switch yeah. and everything because I have been in so many different companies where company went through restructuring mm. or being sold off <laughs> or, you know, merging. And it word for word is the same exact 
like you know exact lettering so i don't know whether someone killed someone or took someone's eye at the behind at the background before this exchange the exchange happened but that letter actually or memo actually made me smile because i'm like i've seen so many of these it's like it's it was perfect so i just wanted to kind of mention that but yeah anything else yes i have a question for everyone did anyone think of the red wedding when you think of the gala I, there's no way it's gonna go well. That's been my thought. Like, there's zero percent chance this is gonna be like a cool. It's like, hey, we're gonna have our first human event. Here's our new X Men. It's gonna be great. Like, I don't think it's gonna be great. I feel like there's gonna be problems. So my my prediction is actually X Force. Whatever's happening in X Force will come to head here. Ooh. In in this like in this gala like you know because like, X something is going on in X Force and it's not. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's going yeah. to happen. Like you know, come together. I mean, here. the gala definitely feels a little bit like a checkpoint. Like okay, everything leads to this. Every road leads to this point, and this might be you know one of Hickman's checkpoint in his plan. So I don't. I feel. I feel. I feel like you know this is a big thing. The the next yeah. big thing. Absolutely, that's. I have the exact feel the exact same way. I have a feeling that one of the five will be die, dead too. Uh, you're just throwing them out there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the, it's, that's gonna be what is something. It's something to do with the resurrect. Like people are gonna finding out about the resurrection. Whatever's happening in X Force coming together, and this gala is not going well. So there's one final plot point, but before we get there, just kind of one go round on uh, Lolly's art and the colors here too, which are by anybody who already knows. Feel free to jump in. They're by Edward Delgado, who I some, yeah. sometimes I like, um, sometimes don't. And this was a don't for me. So quick go around. What was the thing that made you react the most about Lolly's art here, uh, Tyler? Um, it seems really minor, but I think I like the different hairstyles that he put on all the characters here. Like the hair all looked distinctively different, including Bishop's hair which is really modernized, yeah. um, you know, in this case. Harry? Uh, he draws uh, Callisto's faces when she's climbing up the uh, mountain, exhausted to talk to Storm. She, he draws some really nice faces for Callisto with a lot of personality in them. But um, overall, I, I, I did not love the art in this. I thought it was perfectly fine, totally serviceable. Got the job done, um, but like felt a little, like it lacked a little bit of impact besides the very good fight scene. So... That, that scene is great. I'm very, very into that. Okay, Freya? Mm. No, not moved in any direction. <laughs> no. Please. <laughs> I mean, uh, like I told you, I only understand very bad art or very good art. This was neither. Well, look, I don't want to yeah. harp on it. I'll just pull out two things. One is that he has this way of doing these really long necks and these really wide set eyes, which I think tends to youthen a character significantly because it gives them this kind of like naivete look and it works for me to a degree on some characters but I think he kind of draws all women that way except for maybe Storm and over the course of an issue I'm just like I feel like they all have these blank like unmodified video game character before you put your specifications on them kind of look to them and it just bugs me like it just feels like the character face models for for Kate and Callisto and Emma are too close and they all kind of look in the same supermodel way with this neck that ha- it has got to be three times longer than my neck. And it just like wears on me eventually. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, they don't feel unique and lived in. 
But the, the color thing, and this is, I'm not saying this is a good, that is more of a straight up critique. This is more of a Peter has a personal preference. I do not like when colors only focus on distinguishing colors using reflections. It's a lot like when people do makeup and all they do is put highlighter on their face where they think the light should hit their face and like that's their whole makeup look. I just think there's more to color than that. And Delgado really leans into that here and the reflective light that he's putting on the faces, the cheeks and the forehead, it's like feels the same in every single scene, no matter where the light source is coming from. And it's always this like silvery color. And it it's it just doesn't work for me. It like blows out people's face um, and, and skin tone. And I just don't think that um, when people just literally go, where's the light source? Here's the bounce moving on. That to me is not great coloring. That's like very perfunctory. And it's, it's kind of just taking advantage of digital tools without using in a way that's like artistic so i did it's a personal thing some people probably think it's fine but it really really irks me and i think that because when you highlight high on the cheek the balls of the cheeks and the forehead like that and you darken the kind of jowls of the face everybody looks like they have stubble even the women this is the problem that drag queens have when they do highlighter on those parts of their face too because it makes the, their um sides of their face look like they have stubble which drag queens generally not shooting for and i do think that that happens a few times especially to callisto here where the shading just makes her look like she has a beard that's it. That's it well, for me. Okay. Well so put. moving on. <laughs> no, no rebuttals to defend Delgado's colors. We're no. just gonna let me ride there. Okay. Yeah. Just gonna let it go. Oh. I'm not one to talk about it. So. Okay. Well, then here's the final plot. Um, the kind of Madripoor, Verendi slash Hellfire Club, um, brat, Hellfire brat plot, right? So Kate goes back to the shores of Madripoor, right? That's where she is. Yeah. 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 And she yeah. basically gives a reward to the people who saved her, but she realizes that the whole region has been destabilized. And so she starts using quite boldly, as it turns out, Hellfire Club resources to buy up a little bit of a footprint to get in the way of this Verendi takeover. And Verendi, if I'm not too confused, is backed by the Hellfire Kids, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. so we're getting a little bit of a Kate versus Hellfire Kids thing, which is a little bit of a rematch from Wolverine and the X-Men, because she was around when they were invented there. But I just, yeah. I, I'll hand it over to you all first. I have a brief reaction to this one. So we'll start with Freya, this go round. Freya, um, you have read Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. do you, does this excite you? Well, I hate those kids. I hated those kids then. I mean, that that was, I, I think at that point, I was like 90% there, whether I want kids or not. After seeing those kids, I'm like, nah, I'm 150%. Oh like, I, I hate those kids. Wow. I want to wring every one of their neck. I want them to be dead. I, how old are they? How old were they then? How old are they now? I hate them. And uh, like, I just take them down. Seriously. So, oh, so I like... I like them in Aaron's book because it was like a fun thing where like they are like the dark version of, of children and he's trying so hard to be a teacher. It made sense in that book. Uh, right. I don't think they need to be back ever. <laughs> um, they seem older. They seem like maybe 14. I think they're like 10 or 11. Um, I don't know. These guys are just around. Um, they're rich. You know, she's fighting the rich. That seems to be what it is. That's not the worst but, thing you can why, do. Why not just make them adults then? Why do they have to be kids? Like, it just annoys me. It's like, 10-year-olds no. don't think like that. At least I didn't. I mean, well, I want a better are, foe for the marauders. Like, I yeah, just don't I want know. the marauders <laughs> to fight a bunch of children. It doesn't, it brings me no joy. I mean, and I, they're not even yeah. mutants. Why can't, oh, ugh, human yeah. kids. Ugh, even worse. No, but, <laughs> but I, blame, I blame Aaron for it. Because I blame he Aaron created for them. Things. He created them. I mean, and and they don't make sense. Their their the origins does not make sense to me. That's the first thing. But so, they don't, you don't have to bring them back. Aaron's not writing this. I That's know. That's my bigger thing. You that, can just that, leave them alone. But 
they I mean I think they wanted a Hellfire type of situation, Hellfire Club, the old Hellfire Club, and that's the only thing that they can rely on, which I don't buy. Um, I mean, you do have peers there, which, you know, is really a good time to bring back the Reavers. And I think the Reavers are in Madripoor. So so that's that's one thing which I think, um, yeah. But yes, I, I concur with all three of you. I don't like this these, these kids. They, I mean, they are not realistic to me. Um, I don't care about their plans. Um, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, invite them to the gala, put them in the children's table, and you know, and then we, we are done. <laughs> they're not, they're not threatening. That's the thing. They just, they don't really, which is fine in the Aaron book because it's kind of more like a comedy-ish thing. Mm-hmm. But in this, they just, I'm not like, oh no, what are they gonna do? Yeah. It's like they're gonna be fine. We're gonna they're- take care of the children. And then also, like, I feel like they're, like, manga kids because in manga you get, like, this overpowered or over, um, like, adult-like yeah. children doing yeah. adult thing. And yeah. they're they're here and it just doesn't fit the narrative or fit anything. I feel, I say, like, you bring Harry Lillard back and they have him a paternity test with, like, fight with, uh, what's his name? Um, Shaw. Shaw. But Shaw is really defeated. He's like, he he cannot even walk now. He's not defeated. So much of this book, though, is dealing with, like, trade deals and exchanges and, like, economy and commerce. So you want some characters based in that world. Like, these, it does make sense why they're here, but it just doesn't have any impact for for Mm me. Yeah, I you know I want to be brief here. I I think it's a little bit of a misread of the audience because who's who's excited for these characters, right? Which is not to say that you can only use characters when somebody's going to be excited for them. Otherwise, we just get the same characters recycled all the time. But when you're going to like hang a whole plot on a certain villain group, and you, you should have something interesting to say with them, or you should be doing it because they deserve or they're demanded for more exposure. And I just don't know if I feel like there's anything to say with these kids, and I don't know if anybody's really clamoring for them other than the hardest core of. And the X-Men fans who I, I don't even know if that exists. Um, and I even the ones who did love it that much, I don't know if they love these kids. But to extrapolate from there a little bit, I kind of feel the same about Madripoor. It used to be fun to go to Madripoor. It used to be the, the kind of one bad place where bad guys were in charge and the f- script was flipped and heroes had to run in alleyways. And you can kind of turn any hero into a street hero because that's what Madripoor is. And yep. the magic has just been lost, partially because they have the bar with no name for that now. They have that island that um, AIM and people like keep taping over and running that was in Matt oh, yeah. Rosenberg's <laughs> <laughs> it just lost the zip for me and like I just don't care I, I don't know like it, it just feels so tertiary to everything else that's happening in X-Men that we're like back at Madripoor fighting again and I, again I just think it's a little bit of a misread like it's just not exciting like bring us something exciting or make it find a way to make it exciting because this whole like Verendi wants to take over Madripoor plot to me it doesn't bring me any joy right now and as a biology person that place is racist as fuck like yeah. it's like it's like you know Madripoor. It's like such a Bangladeshi name, and it's like you know what are you trying to say? Yeah, I know we suck, but you don't have to tell us that. No, but like, then it also tends to be like all white people, and then like one yeah. maybe Asian kind exactly. of older woman, madam person who's in charge. No, no matter who but, writes it, it always goes that way every time. But the, but the thing is, like those and white people are all all running from running from the law, and they're hiding here. Like it's like and, white people go back to your place to and wasn't. Hide from the law. <laughs> and the currency is Thai baht. 
Yeah. Tyler, <laughs> Tyler bringing it. Wasn't th- wasn't in the Bendis book a big part that Mystique wants to take over Madripoor? She and was even in then, I was, for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is fine. And reading this, I'm like, okay, I, I, you guys but were a lot more X Men than me, but like, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, yeah. All right. But, where I mean, is it located, though? Like, did they ever say where is it located? Where it's is an island. Located? It's an island. Where? But is, island in, where? In the Pacific if it's in something. the Indian Ocean, I'm gonna burn this down. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's located it's, in Southeast Asia. Yeah, I was gonna joke. It's in Southeast Asia. The Strait of Malacca between Singapore yeah. and Sumatra. Oh my God, Tyler, get incensed! Like, no. yes, it's fine. <laughs> I, hate I don't care because because when they. In the past, when they show Singapore, Singapore looks like a you know a fishing village, which is like wrong. Not anywhere. the case. <laughs> yeah, like, like, oh, like, but like, I mean, to to Harry's point, I mean, if this is meant, I mean, if we are going to go, you know, the um, political route, I mean, Hickman in House of X one have planted a lot of seeds, right? Um, the ambassadors that 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 Magneto met with, each of them have a different agenda. You know, like the Chinese yeah. ambassador was like, oh, yeah, sure. I just want to, you know, share in the political power and the scientific opportunity. So there's there's stories to be mined there. The French ambassador is like, you know, I just want special access to the drug because, you know, he, he he's a pharmaceutical guy. And mm-hmm. then and then the American ambassador was like, you know, um, turned out to be a plant. A plant for who? Um, Orcas or anyone else, you know. So so there are there are there are political uh, themes that could be explored here and yeah. I 100% agree with Harry that like please you know just just put the put these kids you know in in, in, in child care or something you know whatever or, you know yeah if you're Fariha let's kill them <laughs> so there's all kinds of opportunities here <laughs> Well, kidding, we'll, leave you, we'll leave you with that char. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah. We'll leave you with that charming, charming thought here on our discussion of Marauders number 17. I want to do the lightning round from the gut go round on sword number two. We'll go around the clock, starting with Tyler. Um, I'm a little bit annoyed that this is a tying issue for a Marvel event that I don't even care for. And this is only issue two of a new title. And that you know i don't care but you know that said i mean i I do enjoy this issue like it continues with some of the character beats um from last issue and addresses something which i think is very important but has not been taken care of in dawn and in the rest of the issue uh rest of the um titles so and the art is really good all right harry uh, yeah, this issue's annoying. It's kind of odd because I love the team. I love everything about this book, but what all that craft is in service to is, to me, maybe the most shallow event I've seen in a while where we had this first issue full of promise and excitement and what are we going to do? And then this issue is really about space goo dragons and what are they how do they all respond to that and it's not bad it's it's like a perfectly fine issue but it's so annoying and frustrating and it's it's really it's you know it's kind of sad after i was so high on the first issue mm. for i hated it 
Like, you know, I, I was like, same, like, imagine, like, you know, Peter's hatred toward Jonathan Hickman and then transfer it over to me. And then my hatred, like, it was just like a deep sated hatred. Like, no, no, I'm putting my foot down. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, no. Anyway. Well. Uh, Let's do it. So it looks like we don't have any strong positives here, and of course I don't have one to add either. If we think back to my reaction to the first issue, I was like, okay, great, a mutant machine, um, lots of continuity na- nods, but what is the story here? Why are we sword? Why do we care? What are we doing here in space? And I kind of was hoping that this issue was going to like take us there, right? Like I was really hoping Freya was going to come and be like, this is cool, it's all about engineering, let's talk about problem solving, blah, blah, blah. but it wasn't that at all. So that was a little disappointing. I do think Ewing is a veteran of having to have his little selling series mm. intersect with events, and it's actually frequently turned out well in the past. So if it had to be anybody to tie into King and Black, I'm happy it was Ewing and not somebody else, because I think he's going to make the best of it. And I think he does a good job of contextualizing like, are mutants that worried about dragons from space overall? Is it more the threat that it potentially poses to the survivability of the mutant race? And do we need a plan B or a plan V as the case might be um, when the whole mutant race seems to be endangered? So that's kind of what pulled it out of the fire for me at the last moment. Yep. I was about to like leave this issue just with a heavy sigh and an eye roll. And then we got to the end. I'm like, okay, Ewing found the angle. There's still yeah. a way to make this great. But where's the teleporting and stealing stuff? That's what I want to know. So... <laughs> Um, okay. So let's get into this. And I guess let's just dig a little bit more into the this King of Black so much as we have anything to say about it. It's a, it's a Donny Cates thing. It's based in Venom. The original guy who originally made all the symbiotes got awakened and he's space and there's dragons and he's on Earth. And so there's a, a, a liquid latex candy shell around the Earth not unlike what happened in Secret Empire and every other possible because <gasps> It's the Thank only you. thing any author can think of. It's the, the same... Danger. It's the same thing again, and it's, there's like less. Oh, uh, there's <laughs> less to it now. I'm just reading it. I'm like, is it really just goo dragons and people getting taken over by symbiotes? Is that the whole thing? I don't want to get into King of Black that much. No, but I haven't read any I, of it actually. Can I, I can I just interject for one second? Okay, look at what what happened to us as humanity over the last year. We just had this little little incident, and it drove us insane. Now imagine living in the Marvel universe. <laughs> Gun is like, crazy. And then how often sun is taken away from you? Like and it just like I I I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them. But to be honest though, I mean allow me to just go on a 1 minute tire and someone someone you know, I am right, I am sir. very I like you know, so the thing is this is supposed to be sword number one. Like, you know, last last sword was sword number one and this is supposed sure, to be sword number, number two. Yeah. Um no, but it's a new series. What is the point of having a new series if you're not going to introduce anyone and if you're going to be like, oh my God, deep cuts for all those old-timey X-Men reader. I don't know any of these stupid characters. I don't care for any of them. There was no introduction to any of them other than Abigail Brand, who because I read the Blue Muffin five-issue miniseries one by Gillen, that's how I know her. And then, okay, so I was like, okay, well, okay, maybe they're going to be introduced. And then there is no introduction. There's like all these data pages that she's writing and she how much she hates everyone what what kind of what is this i mean i'm just i was just sick and tired i was sick and tired of x factor but then you know what i went and read other books i'm like okay fine now i know know who these nobodies are and then i'm like where do i even go i mean i'm not ugh, i hated it i just, I'm just like i'm so sick and tired of all this deep cut nonsense if an issue is supposed to be standalone on its own then a series needs to be standalone without having to read like 100 different issues beforehand 
there you go. Thank you for coming for you has like tired like red corner. I'm gonna shut up for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Just walks no, off, goes I, outside. I mean, I think you've got a good point that you know Ewing loves to play this game of picking a lot of random people and kind of giving them their due. But in this case, you know, we've seen him do it on U.S. Avengers and his New Avengers. Mm. We've seen it do it on his Mighty Avengers. We've, in a way, he kind of did it on Ultimates, although Ultimates. most of those characters we knew. But he tends to pick people that are a lot more modern and that are a lot more fully formed. And the group of people that he's picked here, people like Mentallo, who I mean, even as a mega X-Men fan, I, my, my pool of knowledge on Mentallo is shallow. Yeah, you know, like, shallow. you know, WizKid, Cortez, these are people that it's even hard to have, like, an opinion on. And so it's contingent upon him to really give us a version of them to react to in mm -hmm. this book. And it just doesn't feel like there's a lot about them to react to. I think, I mean, I think Ewing's a great writer, but, like, to free his point, if you're going to do the deep cut thing, which can be fun, and there are a couple of deep, deep cuts here, which I love, which we'll get to, but you also have to make sure that you are inserting some kind of personality. And it takes me back to when I was talking to some people on Twitter about when does it work when you bring kind of a villainous person who's done horrible things back and make us like them. And one of the great things that Carrie did with Frenzy is he brought Frenzy back and he started out by her as being like, yeah, I was awful. And then he, re and people should hate me. And then he recontextualized her by how he wrote her and he made Frenzy lovable. And I think Ewing just needs to do that. Like, give us something in the actual issue to react to about these characters. And I just don't think Strongest Mentallo on the toilet is, like, taking me there. I'm not getting the well, fantasy right now. But not, not only that, well, not only that, but having this useless character that nobody knows, what is that telling us how much the Quiet Council care about the space program? Like, they don't well, care. Think, they're going to send this nobodies, and they're not care. Fucking psyched, sorry, I'm sorry just bleep me, is bleep. caring about like stupid election, he should be sent to space. Because send no. someone actually who actually matters, send them to space. But no, I mean, you know, Magneto just moved the thing and he's back. But, you know, we're just gonna send this nobody's to space. And hey, look at that, our space program. Ugh. All right, Harry, you, you are our designated sword lover. Can you talk <laughs> us down from this ledge a little bit? Uh, I don't know. I kind of like that it was not someone that that's that is that important because it kind of shows that they are more independent from the mutants. It is kind of more of a hybrid of like Brand's got her own priorities than just kind of taking cues from the council. Um, I also I, I kind of know Mentel. He was in Secret Avengers for a hot minute, written by I think Nick Spencer. It's been a while, but he, so I didn't know who it was, but I was like, oh, this. This guy, but I, you know, I'll be honest. The um, the joke at the end with the uh, the thing that he wanted was very funny. I laughed. I laughed out loud. Uh, the 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 invention that he was hoping for. Well, I, I mean, know. The, the you yeah. know what? Because I think he he has all he had this um this contract this vehicle that he used to have right. So he was oh, like yeah. yeah. So he's like I I want that back. I mean to protect my soft skeletons. <laughs> I mean, I think you guys have a great point that like, yeah, we're just in go, go, go mode with these obscure characters. We don't have time to like connect with many of them. But you know, I, I, I'm more annoyed at the fact that it's the tie-in stuff that we have so much time we yeah. got to spend towards space dragons. And I, I think th that's, I thought, yeah. that was the problem. The problem the, wasn't Ewan's writing. The problem was Ewan's had to do this priorities. in issue two of his run, if so, new run. He introduced the characters last issue and he should be allowed, you know, at least two, three, four issues to develop them before they push him or before the title gets tied in into any events. So I don't understand. Maybe it's because of the timing. Maybe because this was supposed to come out, um, you know, during COVID, you know, in um, before that's that break. 
and before yeah. they expanded the um the the ten of swords uh cross uh crossover, so 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 that there is some timing issues here that is a problem, but um you know I mean I do enjoy the deep cards so. <laughs> well, Drew, I want to say you real do. quick. The, I know you do. The first page of this book is mm. super disorienting. I don't know about yes. y'all, but they have Cable who's been venomized or nullified or whatever yeah, nonsense is going on. Yeah. No, yeah, and like they, and <laughs> they have one page, they even show him and like I, I and it's disorienting because wasn't he drawn differently in the other-ish books? So yeah. that's a huge error there. And I was just like, oh, okay. And I, I don't know, it just, it really started this off on a bad yeah. note for me. I mean, it jumped into the middle of the event and the next page has a recap that suggested that some some other things has happened yeah. off panel or maybe in some other issues. And yeah, I mean, it is very disorienting because I was like, okay, wait, since when did the, the X-Men and the Quiet Council um, gave warning about the threat and to who did they give the threat, the, the warning to? Because yeah. that was like in the recap. So um, yeah, so that part was like a little bit... Um, weird for me well now maybe. that we've f thoroughly eviscerated the the issue i do want to talk about a couple <laughs> of the moments which maybe were a little bit more charming yeah. inside of it so one of them is this kind of fun sunfire moment sunfire tends to be a little bit overutilized he originally you know gets tossed by this dragon and cortez reheats him like a microwave dinner and we yeah. get for free as benefit possibly you know, kind of an explanation of Cortez that he can amplify people's powers, but it tends to be a little bit addictive. Uh, and that. it's not always a good thing, right? Because Harry didn't know that when we talked about Sword One either. And he's kind of like, don't worry, don't worry. I've worked on it. But he really comes across as like a little bit of a drug dealer here, which yeah. I think is in perfect <laughs> keeping with Cortez's rich history as Magneto's yeah. dealer back at in the Jim Lee era. So, you know, any thoughts on Sunfire's, you know, heroic moment becoming our local son? And any thoughts on Cortez, the mutant booster? And then we'll get into Brand's distrust, distrust of him in just a moment. No. How are you saying yeah, that you have things to say? No, it's great. No, this part's really good. I think Cortez is like a lot of fun. I've just been introduced to this character. He's just like the, the level of smarm, like in this person's face at all times is super fun. And like the way he charges up Shiro, like Shiro looks awful flying away. He looks like a mummified zombie. Yeah, and like, it's, yeah, it's kind of scary. He almost looks yeah. like yeah, it is. It's unsettling, and just like he's just got, he's so full of himself, and he's got all these ideas, and even Brands like this guy's a problem. We got to figure this out. Like I, I am like all in on this, this shady, shady character. That that was I, all good for me. I did get who Sanfire was though. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. So that was a point. I was <laughs> because like, of the oh, yeah, that guy. That guy <laughs> just left uh, like X X Mansion after one one mission. Yeah, and then came back. Still from giant size. He left and then come back and then left again. <laughs> yeah, right. So, within the same issue. Um, yeah, within the same issue. I'm like, yeah, that guy. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, but you know, the other thing also is that um, there is some relationship between, uh, or, or not relationship. There's some history between him and Frenzy, and Frenzy was like shown here saying that, oh no, you know, history is repeating itself. 
Well, and to that point, Cortez has one win, and he's a real, and he's and he's right back to Magneto, like, "Oh, you like me now?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Magneto's just like, "Yes, yes, I remember you." And Cortez is like, "Great, we've got to talk about the flat scans." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" But it kind of shows I, you he can't his his stupidity can't be contained. Like he needs that's one I, moment. I kind of like the the data pages in this with Brand talking about like her she's relying on people who are not reliable like Mentallo and this guy. I, it kind of keeps in theme with Brand just making the most of what she has, with, and it's not usually the best, but she's gonna figure it out. And I thought that was all cool. But is she doing it on purpose? Because I feel like there is a purpose to her. I mean, there is a method to her madness. Because I think mm -hmm. she's doing this because she's not hundred percent in line with the Quiet Council. I yeah. agree. A hundred percent. I mean, so she has yeah. her own agenda. With your mm -hmm. engineer brain, and we've had some problems, some qualms with the Quiet Council's approach, would you be a brand in this situation and be like, I'll take the cast-ups, I'll take the rejects, because I still am going to have better contingency plans than you empty, you know, D-bags? Um, well, depending on the... Because this is a space program, right? Right. So, so much things can go wrong, and it's like, it's so... It's supposed to be something that, you know, something that shows mutant powers or the mutant dome to the rest of the world. Why would you staff it with useless people? Wouldn't you want to show off your best in there? So Cable was there and that was kind of cool. Magneto moved the thing. That was also kind of cool. Then we're left with this nobodies. And then she hates all of them. I also hate, I also didn't like that. I'm like, girl, really? Like she, there's two data pages of her giving explanation. And then she, both of them were really hateful. Like, you know, she did not care of them. I wish there was like a, I wish there was a balance of that. Like, okay, that, okay, I don't like this three, but I like this three. And, yeah, we kind of I mean, needed her saying like, Wiz kid's so great. Like even though yeah, Wiz did get a moment of competency. <laughs> well, she did. She did. Right. She did. Cool like because she she's like, well, you know, Wiz kid is occupied. Wiz kid has has things to do. You know, she's like blowing up dragons. Pretty yeah. good. But he doesn't. Like, he can be autonomous because he's not a dummy yeah. like the rest yeah. of you. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I wish the one data page was about someone she hated, and the next one was about Whiskit, about how she's like liking them. So kind of we kind of mm. get like, okay, there is a balance and there is a method to her madness. As it stands right now, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna staff it with some mad people, and then I'm gonna see how this goes. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. So it's no, just but, like. And to be honest, I think like it just like having this whole cross of like tie-in yeah. really pissed me off. No, I think that's the problem. Out. That's yeah. a huge problem. It's really. But, I mean, like again, I'm defending the fact that like it doesn't have to be, you know, because I think it's it's, a, it's really difficult for to show on panel that brand is has to tolerate these two because it goes deeper than what a simple um word balloon or thought balloon could could do whereas like you know she trusted frenzy implicitly because frenzy brought um screw the um i can't remember his name it's like pal something uh um, yeah, or something like that like the scroll yeah, yeah, yeah like the skull to krakoa and she's like okay i trust you because you said you're gonna you're going to be in charge of him and then you know and then when Kotex questioned about Whiskit or oh no not Kotex, Mentalo questioned about Whiskit and she's like, you know, Whiskit has problems that he can take care of. And he is taking care of those those problems. So it's easier to show that um she has competent people on her side through just like one word balloon. But it's very difficult to say, 
you know, to explain why she has Bentello or she has Cortex on the team um, because, you know, it goes a little bit deeper than that. So, you know, I, I yeah. mean, I feel like I feel like it's pretty even here. Um, yeah. you know. My read on Bran has always been that she's just perpetually stressed and grumpy. Like she's just yeah. not having a great, no, whatever day you catch her, she's not having a great day. So like, I don't feel like she's the kind of person to be like, hey, good job slugger, you know, like at work, you know, she's like, you should do a good job because that's what I hired you to do. But like, that's like her, her level. She's just kind of like a hard ass, which, which is, I think is super fun. I, I really like that, you know, that's why I really like that miniseries where she's just go, 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 always on the run. Mm -hmm. And I was hoping that we'll get something like that, but then we got bogged down by this character yeah. that I don't know and I'm supposed to know. And that, that bothers me that I don't know this character, but the way it's being treated that as if I'm supposed to know, that always bothers mm. me. Like it bothers me in X Factor, it bothers me here as well. <laughs> like it's just like, ugh. Yeah, I know. I mean, sure. there's a lot of deep cuts here. So, yeah, and then it's, it, and I don't know, maybe if I, if the movie didn't have Cyclops and all that, well, no, Cyclops will always bother me. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Freya mentioned the deep cuts. I would be remiss if I didn't draw attention to one, only because I was actually thinking about last week. I'm up to X-Factor in my personal X-Men reread, and in the first few issues of X-Factor, there's somebody who's a junkie who can accelerate mutant powers, and he's part of Apocalypse's original plan. He's there with Frenzy, actually. Um, his name is Michael Nolan, and they wind up, he dies, his wife dies, it's a whole scene, and x-factor kind of fails and i found myself thinking huh he would be a useful person to resurrect he can like supercharge people's powers sure enough al ewing no stone left unturned here in the <laughs> second database michael nolan no mutant name given unlike cortez nolan is unable to control the addictive nature of his power amplification also he has no interest in playing game because they can't revive his dead human wife and then yeah. i also had to look up boost who actually has made a total grand total of two appearances in the entire history of x-men boost began uh in an annual uh, x-men uncanny x-men annual 1997 so ewing these are deep cuts i mean the people yeah. on this day mr m you maybe would you know should know about but um or the, these other, other two are people that literally made one appearance and the appearance yeah. was over 20 years ago so yeah. it's like the deep cuts are really for really certifiably crazy X-Men fans such as myself <laughs> and not even things that most people are going to get the joke about so I don't know that we have a whole lot else to talk about here I mean the King in Black is happening Cable's been venomized because that's novel um, you know except do you think that her protocol V here is to take the five or five V, five V, X, N, five V. Is it to take the five off of the earth because humanity is being threatened on the, on the earth? And is that kind of the reason we need a mutant space program? Thinking about Mora's experiences in life nine with apocalypse mm -hmm. where they had to be on the asteroid. Like, is yeah. that the whole reason sword even needs to exist? I don't I mean, know if it's... Go ahead, Tower. No, I, I mean, like, okay, the five is their regeneration um, engine, right? It is... There is two parts to Krakoa's success. One is Krakoa itself, because Krakoa is needed to produce the flowers, right? So the first thing is, you know, if you are going to protect your economy and your leverage against, you know, the other nations of the world you need to have a backup plan and you need to have redundancies for these important things. So Krakoa, I don't know if they have any plans, 
if Krakoa dies, can the five regenerate him? Hmm. Do they have a DNA, you know, safe somewhere? Can can Krakoa be, you know, um, can Krakoa live uh, elsewhere other than Earth? Like, I mean, he's a mutant. Um, we see in Life Nine that he can, or or even last issue of uh, X Men, he he could walk like an ant. So, you know what? Is there something planned for him? And then mm-hmm. the regeneration is for the survivor of like all mutants. So why are there no backup plans um, for protecting the five or for um, having some redundancy for the five? Like you know, so 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 I I mean that's the part which I thought like um, yeah protocol protocol V or protocol five needs to needs well has to happen way before brand thought of it like why should it be brand who thought of this the quiet council just sits there and assume that the five will always survive that makes but no it's sense almost like me. the five each needs an understudy that are in that are kind of like the designated survivor along with a psychic <laughs> who can yeah, heal everything that are kind of just you know we get a, what i thought was a really interesting moment here that we haven't had elsewhere of the five are like we could do something and we have proteus with his actual accent which nobody yeah. else ever remembers to write except for leah williams <laughs> being like hey um we like we should actually be able to do something about this yeah and but they're like we can't we can't leave the room we're the five but then it also yeah. makes you think like well there should be like another five who also can't leave their mm-hmm. room in case any of the five do leave their room mm-hmm. and like you know because the whole democracy and the whole culture um res- you know resides on this and it really makes you think in light of things happening in the real yeah. world about line of secession. Yeah. And I mean, so so I think like that's one of the reasons I'm also getting a little bit tired of this whole rocks that we're in now because mm-hmm. I feel like Docs was really fine, but really great because it was a lot of competency and we are setting things up. Yeah. But now that we are in Reign of X, it's like there's all this fault and it's not being addressed. And I was like shocked that they, five of them were just hanging around when there's no sun. The island is like under <laughs> snow and there's literally no protection. They, they it's the, it's this nobodies oh, from agree. sword that came in. What, where is Once the again, where yeah. is Cyclops? Where are the like, captains? <laughs> where are the captains? Right? Exactly. Because, where because is they, are, they are not defending the island. It was Magneto's, uh, Sunfire and Banshee, yeah. right? So, well, and Banshee's gonna die because because that's what Banshee does. So you're Cy- already one man down. Cyclops <laughs> got venomized in the main book, and I hate of that. Of course, he did. Oh exactly. God. That's of why. Course yeah. he did. Of I course, he did. Why. Because he, or I thought, that, I thought he was course. running for election. I thought I thought he was running for election somewhere. And this or, is the I, problem I of having X Men books tie in with your event books. I'm not against it, and I don't want the X Men to be separate. But at the point that you already have ten plus books that people are following every month that are the X Men, you kind of feel like you should be able to find the answer in those ten books. There's no yep. other line of books like that at any other publisher. Even the Bat books aren't as wide or as connected mm-hmm. as these. And it's like the fact that I need Harry to tell me that Cyclops got venomized in the main book, and there's not even a footnote about it here it's just frustrating like it makes me long for the days that the x-men were really separate and marvel didn't care about them because at least you could enjoy the x-men books i'm pretty shocked this ties in as much as it does i feel like that's just such a not good move you could i don't i don't know you're saying freya no no i was just saying that you know we have already like you know x-men does not or mutant does not make sense in the world of marvel anyway because the fact that captain america doesn't do enough for mutant rights really shows badly poorly on him so they should already be separated. So it was really good during the when the whole 
hawksbugs came, nobody was touching them. And now it's like fair game, everyone, and we are here. There's no footnote anywhere, well, and you're not supposed to even know. I mean, I hope it is because of a publishing schedule, because we are going to get a King in uh, King in Black um, Marauders title. What? So yeah, yeah. one issue. But get ready. It's a one just one. You'll make it. one. And it's it's Tied. like a, it's like and it's it's a, it's an extra one. I don't think it's is yeah. it the main? Is an extra? Yeah, it's like an actual yeah, one yeah, shot. Yeah. It's not yeah. part of. Yeah, yeah. But you're yeah, still going to win. All right, folks. Uh, look, I don't think we have a lot else to elucidate you about when it comes mm. to uh, to this issue of I, Sword Number Two, unless anybody has well, a I mean, parting shot. There's one. There's one thing that I I thought was quite fun i mean not really important is that you know um brand was like oh um uh well what did she say uh she said full spectrum report and then they follow the uh rainbow colors yeah <laughs> that's kind of fun i and i also i also love laughter the think tank the think tank the think moment tank. is good that i because he's reading a tank magazine on the toilet which is pretty good i i just I, there's a lot of solid moments in this it looks beautiful they are setting up the characters a bit you know unlike Freya, i am getting invested in these people i don't know much about but it's all in service of like the most shallow silly event and that's just such an odd mix with this like ambitious book from what we got from the first yep. issue like literally the action this book is they kill one space dragon and then later on they fight another space dragon and that's 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 it and <laughs> you're dropped in the middle of the other fight yeah that's true. And, and then yeah oh. and i want to say though i love la wing i met him he's a nicest yeah. guy lovely I'm man obsessed with his loki i love his immortal hulk Love it. Um, what Ultimus that he wrote, all his Secret Avengers, all of them. Not a fan. But also, Valerio, Valerio Shitty doing a wonderful job here. I think you yeah. know, this, he's an yeah. unsung hero in this book. He had to draw a lot of characters, a lot of weird mm. action. A space dragon attacking, uh, you know, a, a space uh, ship, you know, the world with this sunless world. He had to do the Krakoan trees. He had to do all of these characters. And just like without any kind of issue, no gawky moment, nothing that feels out of place. But it's just hard to kind of champion it to, to Free's point. There's no high point in the book. There's a couple yeah. of good jokes and there's two dragons and that's it. Mm. So there's no moment that really feels like he got to like own yeah. that moment. Yeah. I, and also I think um the other thing also I think Ewin just dropped that uh Bran is creating her own secret language. Yeah, that was cool. Just like yeah, drop that was it in obtuse. there. Like it was just yeah. like this big monologue, but there are these are a diamond dozen and we can all have downloaded languages, but I don't care. I've got the old thing, so I'm gonna have it yeah. just was like a lot of It was yeah. a lot. I mean <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but I think I think he he had he did the best that he could given the current the situation that he's being thrown in. I mean, I I mean, if I'm even I I definitely did not raise my hand and say, "Hey, issue two, put me in a tie-in." Put me in. No, a I think yeah. I think this is being forced on him. So you know, I I, I mean, I feel like you know, given the good work that he has done in other issues or other titles, um. I mean, I want to give him a pass for this because I don't think it's his fault, 100%. Well, you got like two more issues of this, so let's see yeah, if you can keep that goodwill going. All right, folks. Well, that brings us to the end of this week, Next, Looking forward to next week, at least as professed by the book, we have Cable number seven and X-Force number 16. It'll be interesting to see if Cable number seven is going to be another tie-in. No, it's not. It's not. So, we're, so not. at least we'll get a little bit of a breather from Cable being venomized <laughs> next week. 
Thank you so much to listening to our discussion in This Week and X This Week. We're really happy to be able to share our thoughts, all four of us together, which we've been really waiting for a chance to be able to do on these two issues this week. We love to hear your comments because we get together because we love these comics sometimes, we hate these comics sometimes, but they're so much better when, Freeha? X-Men is always better when it's read together. That's right. And so that's why we're here together reading them with each other and why we're reading them along with you. So please subscribe. Please stick with us. Please comment. Send us a tweet at Crushing Comics on Twitter and I'll share with the whole gang. And until next week, on the behalf of myself, for Tyler, Harry, and Freya, we wish you well and we look forward to talking to you again. Bye. Bye.